change should come from the inside out and and many times it does we like the black community is resourceful we we have to be and we continue to be we're we're resilient and, and creative and 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 because of that that is why we are such a strong knit community hey what's up this is Corey dion lewis clinical health coach and host of the healthy project podcast Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review, or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Uh, I have a great guest in the building today, not only a health equity expert, but a podcaster himself doing great things in his community. So I'm super excited for this uh, this conversation we're going to have. I have Mr. Pleasant Radford in the building. Pleasant, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Corey. Yeah, man. So before we get into the conversation, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Yes, that's a, a great question. I am in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's not where I'm from. I'm actually from the Chicago area. And I am a Minnesota transplant, although I've been here for over about 11 years now. So I don't know if I can continue <laughs> to say I'm a Minnesota transplant, but I, I, I'm i not from here originally. I grew up in the Chicago area and have really been interested in healthcare for most of my life. My, my mom was a nurse at Ingalls Hospital in Harvey, Illinois, a southern suburb of Chicago. And I had a chance to see what healthcare looked like through her lens. I was able to understand more about the importance of being empathetic and being compassionate for some of our most vulnerable populations, especially at at critical moments in their life. And, and that was, that was, that was uplifting for me to see because I, I'm I'm the same way. I, I feel that I'm very compassionate about the work that I do. I, I care deeply about the, the members and the communities that I, I work with and serve. And, and that has been my, that has been one of the reasons why I get up every morning is because I know that there are so many ways that we can improve the health and well-being of our of our communities, especially um, within the Black community, and and I feel like I can play a small part in that. That's one reason why I get up. Another reason is because of my two-year-old son Xavier. That'll do it. He definitely, well, part of it is because I I can't sleep very much because he sometimes keeps me up. So I'm already up to begin with. But beyond that, there's, there's, there's this, there's this connection that, um, that obviously I have with him that I, that I want to continue to do more 
so that he's able to then bear the fruits of of this labor no that's beautiful and it sounds like when you grew up your mother showed you a side of healthcare that you became passionate about and now in a way you're able to show your son another side of healthcare um in just a different different way yeah no you're you're absolutely right i it's it's funny that you bring the connection up because it is a multi-generational connection when i think about my mom and and being a nurse and in healthcare and me being her son seeing that through through her experience and then now my son seeing healthcare through through my experience it, there is that that strong connection to to the work through my family yeah absolutely and i think with with you i know with you care in, in what you do as the uh, health equity officer, correct? That's the, that is your title. Yes. Um, that's what you do for work and is obvious as your passion. But I do know that your passion is also your community and how you serve your community. Um, and so tell me, you know, one thing, you know, how, how do you separate the, the two? You know, how do you promote equity when, for lack of a better word, when you, when you clock out at work, but you're, how do you still represent the that equity and that community side of you? Yeah, that that part is, is there's a, a big overlap, and I think that's intentional and and it's important because I I don't want to live this quote unquote double life where I'm bringing one side of my of my life to work and then I'm living a completely different life outside of work. I, I want to be be able to bring my whole self to work and be authentic and and share what I've learned and the experiences that I've gained both in work but then outside of work that that's important to me and 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 answering your question how do I promote equity outside of work it's it's simple for me it's it's living out the values of, of equity and for for those who aren't aware on the call, UCARE is a, a small nonprofit health insurance plan based in Northeast Minneapolis, a um, community of, of Minneapolis. And we primarily serve Medicaid and Medicare members, about over 600,000 members in the states of Minnesota and Wisconsin. The majority of our members are Medicaid. And so there is a, um, there's a huge need. There's a huge need and, um, to meet the needs, particularly for Medicaid, not to say Medicare does not have their, their unique needs. They definitely do as well. And so for me, promoting, promoting health equity is, is making sure that I'm taking care of myself. As a, as, as a person who works in healthcare, we are always preaching, we'll say, about the importance of taking care of your health through diet, through exercise and physical activity. And if you're not, if you're not living by the same message that you're sharing with your healthcare members, then it becomes really difficult for healthcare members to, to, to take that advice that, that you're sharing with them. And for me, it's, it's making sure that I'm taking care of myself making sure that I'm well hydrated, making sure that I get that I get the rest that I need, making sure I go to my my primary care physician visits and making sure I do the follow-up appointments, making sure that I am spending time with the people that I love. 
those are things that are important to me and I think are important to the members that I serve. They want to be able to do that. And, and we want to make sure that we are providing the, the resources and the support for them to do that as well. No, that's real. Talk to me a little bit more, if you will, about, you know, your, your perspective on com community service and engagement. Um, I know, you know, taking, taking aside or putting aside your health equity role, um, I feel like, like you said, it's one of those things where there's a lot of overlap, but I think it's, it's necessary. There's one thing that I believe, you know, if you're serving the community, you have to be in the community. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to live in the community, even though I think that is important, but also like volunteering, doing things within your community, um, kind of you're talking to talk, but you also got to walk to walk. Tell me about your experiences with, you know, with that side of health equity and what are some of the things that you do to continue to walk that walk? Great question. It, it, like you said, it's important to talk the talk and, and walk the walk. And for me and my, and my wife, we, we, we take that seriously. We are, we, uh, again, live in Minneapolis. We live in North Minneapolis, which is primarily black. And there, there are pockets of, of, of poverty, but there are also pockets of, of affluent residents in this area. And for us, we wanted to live in a community where, especially for our son, he was able to see himself reflected. That's so important, especially at, at this age and not just at his age. Um, in general, you want representation matters. You want to see people that, that look like you, that share experiences with you, that you can talk to and, and, and you know, live life with. And for us, that was one important aspect of, of our move was to make sure that we were in a community that we felt comfortable with, where we saw ourselves, where it wasn't just us, the only Black couple in the entire community. Um, there are more Black people in the community. And, 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 and that was one reason why we decided to, to move to move in this area of, of Minneapolis. As you mentioned, volunteering, we wanna make sure that we are giving back as much as possible to our community to make sure that one, as I mentioned before, representation matters. When you think about volunteers, volunteerism and, and more broadly the nonprofit sector, many times you do see white people in these positions. They're the ones right. who are leading the organizations. They're the volunteers who are in our communities. The question is, why can't it be me? Why can't it be someone else who, who's doing that? And, and why, why not? Why not? Because I live in the community. I know the community. It's, 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 part, of, it's part of my DNA. Why not be able to, to serve the community in which I live to make sure that we have the resources that are needed. No, that's, that's so real. And I, I think, I feel like, you know, I want to be very clear too. I understand there's a privilege to be able to, to volunteer and do things during, during certain times. Like I, I get that 
and I understand that there are, you know, people that may work. And also at the same time, you know, if, if we really want to improve our community, the, the community has to do, do that from the inside out. So right. we got to figure out a way how we can have a good balance. Um, I don't have the answer for that, but I do believe that is, that is, you know, important and, and true that we got to, like you're doing, you, you implanted yourself in the community and you're able to say, Hey, I want to invest in my community, not only for my son, you know, that's living here, I'm assuming, but for the other kids that see you and, you Ooh. know, representation matters, like you said earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree that that change should come from the inside out. And, and many times it does. We, the, like the black community is resourceful. We, we have to be, and we continue to be where we're resilient and, and creative. And, and, and because of that, that is why we are such a strong knit community. And we want to continue to, to do that. And we want to make sure that there are opportunities for us to to be in these spaces where we can volunteer, where we can lead the organizations that are volunteering so that, like you said, it's not just for my son, but perhaps another black kid on the block who sees me or my wife and says, yes, this is, this is what life can look like. It doesn't always have to be the, the same news narrative that we see. It can be something different. Right. Do you, do you, no, I, I 100% agree with that. Do you, when we look at, or when you think of uh, health equity in in your community, you know what what are some of the things that you're seeing that are happening right now? Like, are there things that are being implemented that you're saying, "Oh, hey, this health equity initiative or whatever it is, this is this is working for the community." Are there any are there any um, examples of that? Well, plenty. There's plenty of. <laughs> examples which is which is another great question there on uh, there's a or, let me take a step back there is a, a restaurant called breaking bread that is part of appetite for change and breaking bread is primarily a black owned black led restaurant that uses food as an opportunity to connect but then also it teaches about how do we cook the food and prepare the food? Where does the food come from? How do we make sure oh, wow. that we are, we're preparing healthy food in a way that is, is, is good for our body, but then also providing those tools and resources so that the community members know how to prepare that food when they get back home. That's one example. There's another example where the city of Minneapolis is, um, is creating a, a swimming facility it's an Olympic sized swimming facility and it's going to be in North Minneapolis. And the, again, one of the reasons why it's in North Minneapolis, as I mentioned before, is primarily black. And sadly, many black people don't know how to swim or they don't know how to swim very well. Yep. And that results in, in many unfortunate deaths due to drowning. And to have it here in, in Minneapolis is, is in North Minneapolis specifically is so important because again, we're teaching those life skills of water safety and it's another right. form of physical activity that you can do pretty much your entire life. Um, there's so many other things that like basketball and football, you, 
after a certain period of your life, you're not doing that. But swimming is something that you can definitely yeah. do throughout your entire life. That's that's another example. And th- there's so many more that, that come to mind, but those are the two I want to lift up. No, that's amazing. And I'm I'm in that camp of cats that if it's too deep, I might have to think twice. <laughs> my boy, yeah, my boy sent me, <laughs> my boy sent me emails. Sorry, go ahead. Let me cut you off. No, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I, I was just going to say I was a part of that camp for a long, long time. And then just last year, I was like, okay, I got to I got to do this. And I was able to get a swim instructor and she helped me um, become comfortable with water. I mean, there's still a long ways to go, but I can definitely say I, I, um, I'm, I'm learning how to swim, which is yeah. something I could not say years ago. Yeah, I need, I, need to, I need to take a note from you, my guy, because my, my friend will send me links to swim classes, but they're for kids. I'm like, ain't no grown folks. I'm not going to be, what I look like. <laughs> This grown man with these ten-year-old kids, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'll just stay in the kiddie pool if I have to, like for real, for real. Um, yeah, but I want for sure that you need. <laughs> but to get back, I I do have a question about um, community advocacy. You know, you were talking about some of the the. Um, the programs and the, and the things as far as the, the swimming program or the, the uh, facility that are being built in um, and a predominantly African-American or black neighborhood. And it feels like to me, and I would love to get your thoughts on this and your opinions where, when it comes to advocating for, you know, communities of color or underserved communities in general, that um, it's almost like we have to, fight and work harder to um, justify having a facility or justify to keep the YMCA open or things like that just to have something because if the YMCA or if there's no facility there, then any everybody in that community loses. Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as the the advocating for that? Like, is it harder or what are some things people can do to to make to make this advocating for a healthier, safer community easier? Yeah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle that that continues. And there, there, there's no simple answer to that right now. There, there are things that, that come to mind for sure. I think having being able to build a broad coalition of people that are, that that are deeply connected to the issue that you're trying to change, I think is super important. Understanding your local politics, understanding who are the people that are in your local city council, who are the ones who are in the the, the, the courts, who are making the decisions, who are your your wards, if you live in, a, in Chicago, particularly your, your aldermans or your mayors, anyone that is making a decision about the well-being of a community at a local level it's so important to understand the local politics of that area and and get involved get involved with that even with schools school council members it's so important to Mm -hmm. get involved with that because generally 
what I've heard is that many times there's meetings, community meetings that are available, but sometimes community doesn't show up. And if the community doesn't show up, then what what are we what are we going to do? Many times those decisions are made in a unilateral in a unilateral fashion because right. community is not at the table. But to but I do want to say that there's something that um, that needs to be done in order to engage community in a different way. And so you can't always choose the same way to engage communities. There's multiple ways to do that. And sometimes there's barriers to community members coming to these meetings. Sometimes it's during the middle of the day when they're at work or it's late at night when they are just getting off at work. Like there's so many things you need to be considerate of in order to facilitate that community members are able to attend these meetings. So getting involved with local politics, building that broad coalition of, of members, of, of the participants who believe in this cause to say, hey, we need to, we need to, we need to move forward. Protesting is, is still effective. It, there's still so many ways that we can effectively um, not effectively, where we can protest, uh, whether that's through our our dollars, whether that's through social media, whether that's through, you know, by our feet. There's multiple ways you can do that. The, I, I think that there, those are a few of the ways that we can advocate, and and still those don't always work. But we know that if we don't do anything, then we're not going to be able to advocate for for anything. Right. So, you know, getting the community together, educating yourself on what's going on locally and protesting if you have to, to get your point across. You know, I, I feel like that's that's very important. Um, you know, before I get you out of here, man, I need to know not only is health equity what you do for a living, what you do just in your life in general. But, you know, this is you talk about it, too, on your podcast, The Heart of Equity. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. How did it get started? Um, and, you know, just tell me, you know, how how is it going? Tell, tell us more about your podcast. Absolutely. I The Heart of Equity podcast is, is, is going well. We are super excited about what we've done this year and look forward to producing even more in the future. It, it started, I'd say, I always like to say it started in 2020. Um, that was after, so after George Floyd was murdered in, in Minneapolis in May of 2020, on a personal level, I was I was struggling to find a way to articulate how I was feeling about this particular moment. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a, it was a really, really painful experience because being so close to where George Floyd was murdered, I was, I was living through everything that was going on at that moment. My, we lived at the precinct that was burned down. You may have recalled a, the image of, of a, a police building on fire on the news. That was the precinct that, that belonged to wow. us. We were near the, we saw protesters going up and down our street. We heard the, the night, uh, all the protests taking place on I-94. It was a lot. 
it, it was a, an intense period. And, and for me, I, as I said before, I needed to find a way to articulate what, what was going on. And to, to make a long story short, I, I had the opportunity to produce a podcast episode with my former employer, Blue Cross and Blue Shield from Minnesota, where I interviewed four Black Minnesotan men to understand what the impact of the murder of George Floyd was on mental health and trauma and resilience. And, and that was really the, the genesis, I'd say, of the podcast, because I love that experience. I just wasn't able to find another way to continue that until we fast forward into 2021, when I was introduced to the National Association of Health Service Executives, NASI, through the producer of our podcast, Kadisha Thomas-Smith. And she said, hey, Pleasant, you should connect to this organization. I connected, I said, hey, is there any way that we can advance our thought leadership? And if so, is there any space for us to consider doing a podcast? And that was when, you know, everyone was like, great, yep, you can do it. <laughs> you know, as soon as you volunteer for something, you're going to be the one who's going to execute that. Absolutely. Like, okay, I can do it. And and Kadisha, who I, I mentioned earlier, she said, I would be more than happy to produce this podcast um, for you. And that was what started this, this podcast was this idea this painful experience, and then this this unique opportunity to really connect with Black healthcare professionals within the Midwest region. And so the NASI Heartland chapter consists of Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, and Iowa. We are, um, within this region, there are where we're talking about what Black healthcare professionals are doing to advance health equity. We, we wanted to focus on this region, one, because that's where the, the chapter resides. But right. two, when we look at health outcomes for Black Americans, they tend to be very, very bad within the Midwest region. You look at the states of Iowa and, and Minnesota, and you look at poverty rates and home, in, home insurance rates. And, and unemployment rates and the median household income, we tend to be at the very, very bottom of that list. And so that's a, another opportunity for us to connect with the Black healthcare professionals to say, what are we doing to advance health equity and lift those experiences up, lift those successes up in a way that we're able to deepen our collaboration and, and really move the needle on, on these poor health outcomes that we see for, for Black Americans in, in this area. So we concluded season one of the Heart of Equity podcast. Um, we had 24 episodes, which is hard to believe. And we have the green light to uh, produce season two. And United Health Group is one of our sponsors for season two, and we're, nice. we're excited about it. Nice, congratulations, man! I, I just listened to um, episode with Renee Hardman, who's the um, DEI here at Broad Lawns Medical Center where I work. I love Renee; she's she's an amazing person. Um, and, and yeah, man, you guys are doing great stuff. It's, it's a it's a great produced podcast. You can definitely tell. Um, y'all put a lot of effort into that podcast. So it's, it's definitely um, on my Apple podcast, and I'll definitely put the link uh, in the description of this episode so people can go check that out, especially if you want to learn more about 
you know, just what's going on in the, in these health equity streets for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, Pleasant, thank you so much for being on today, man. I really appreciated learning more about you and, you know, how you um, immerse yourself in the health equity field within your community and, and outside of that. For those that are listening that want to learn more about you, connect with you, um, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Pleasant Radford Jr. is um, is my is the name you can find me under. Um, the Heart of Equity podcast. You can find me on there as well. You can email me at p Radford Jr. p r a d p r a d f o r d j r at gmail.com. Um, those are some of the best ways to reach out. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I link those in the description of this episode. Uh, Pleasant, my guy, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. And everybody, thank you for listening. I'll let you next time. Thank you.